Our second Bible reading for today comes from Proverbs 13, verse 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In his best-selling book, Atomic Habits, Laszlo Polgar tells, or uh, James Clear tells a story of Laszlo Polgar. And he had a mantra. He said, a genius is not made, or getting this totally backwards, a genius is not born, but is educated and trained. And he and his wife, Clara, decided to test this theory out on their own children by trying to raise them to become chess prodigies. So they filled their house with books about chess and pictures of famous chess players. Their children played against each other constantly and competed in the best tournaments they could find. They did everything they could to encourage their children to become some of the best chess players in the world. And it worked. Susan, their oldest, started playing when she was four years old, and within six months, she was defeating adults. Sophia, the middle child, was a world champion by age 14, and a few years later, she became a grandmaster. Judith, the youngest, was the best of all. By the time she was five, she could beat her father. When she was 12, she was the youngest player ever listed on the top 100 chess players in the world. When she was 15, she became the youngest grandmaster of all time. And for 27 years, she was the best female chess player in the world. Laszlo and Clara knew that those closest to us have an enormous amount of power to influence who we become. If you walk, if you walk with a chess enthusiast, you'll become a chess enthusiast. If you walk with the wise, you'll become wise. But the opposite is true as well. Those closest to you can also bring you down. You can put years of hard work into starting a business, but if your business partner makes a foolish decision, they can bring it all to an end overnight. You can find yourself suddenly without a job, maybe even in debt, maybe even open to a lawsuit. Your friends can influence your physical health too. A study published in the New England Journal of Medicine tracked 12,000 people for 32 years and found that a person's chances of becoming obese increased by 57% if he or she had a friend who became obese. Likewise, your friend's negativity can make you a more critical person, or their indifference towards Christianity can turn your heart away from God. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Your relationships shape who you become. If you want to suffer harm, be the companion of fools. If you want to become wise, walk with the wise. This morning I want to look at two ways to walk. So first, if you want to become wise, walk continually with the wise. Secondly, walk intentionally with the wise. So first, walk continually with the wise. You know, often we want to prove that we're the smartest person in the room. We want to have something to say to impress our boss at the next work meeting or something witty to say when we hang out with our friends. But if we want to become wise, our goal shouldn't be to be the smartest person in the room. Our goal should be to be the most foolish person in the room. Now that's pretty difficult, that's pretty uncomfortable, but that's when you can really learn. That's why many of us are willing to pay so much to go to college, to learn from experts in our field of study. I decided to go to Westminster Seminary for my training in Philadelphia, uh, for my training as a pastor. And one of the main reasons why is because I thought it would be the most difficult program. It would challenge me the most. I would be around professors and students far smarter than me. And I knew that would make me a better pastor. 
Think too of how much your coworkers or your boss influence you. If you're like me, you've had some good bosses and you've had some bad bosses. And that can make a big difference in your life. A boss can create an environment where you enjoy your job and where you foster new skills, get a promotion. Or a boss can create an environment that makes you dread your job and stifles your development. I remember my boss from when I worked at a church in Philly. His name was Gavin. He was a good boss. And one of the reasons why he was a good boss is because I was always learning from him. If I had a theological question from seminary or if I had a question about a ministry situation, we could always discuss it together and he always had a lot of wisdom to share. He made me a much better pastor having him as a boss. Your relationships shape who you become. So Proverbs 13.20 tells us, if you want to become wise, spend time with people who are wise. Now this has been pretty difficult to do this past year in quarantine. We have had limited interactions with others, and as we all are, are well aware, face-to-face interactions are, are, are very different than Zoom interactions and so forth. It's, it's not quite the same. But now that things are opening up again in New York City, what can you do to begin this walk again? Who is someone wise who you can reach out to this week and have a face-to-face conversation with? Reach out to them. Even use this sermon as an excuse. Now, it's important to say walking with the wise doesn't mean that we should be closed off or judgmental. We're not called to shut out anyone that we deem unwise. We're called to be an open, inclusive community. We're not called to be selfish with our time. We're called to be open-handed and generous. Galatians 6.10 says, So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Walking consistently with the wise doesn't mean we should be snobbish or exclude others. But what it does mean is that we should be intentional about whom we spend the most time with, whom we walk most closely with. The more time you spend with someone, the more they're going to influence you. The Pulgar sisters became great chess players because their whole family valued chess. So ask yourself, with whom do I spend the most time? And are they ha- helping me grow in wisdom? And this principle applies to all areas of life. We should ask to lunch people who have achieved the goals that we have for our career. We should spend time with couples whose marriages we admire. But when the book of Proverbs talks about wisdom, first and foremost, it means following God. Proverbs 1.17 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The wise person is the one who reveres God. When we talk about walking with the wise more than anything else, we mean surrounding ourselves with people who will encourage us in our walk with God. That's the beginning of true wisdom. Do you have those people in your life? And if you're not married, think especially about how your partner can influence you. My wife, Mi Feng, has changed me in the time that we've been married. Apart from imparting a craving for Vietnamese banut, she's also made me more flexible, empathetic, and kind. Your partner's taste in music or their enthusiasm for baseball can rub off on you. Likewise, they can point you to Christ when you're anxious or cause you to question God's goodness when life gets tough. That's why in Deuteronomy 7, God commanded the Israelites to not marry those who didn't worship him. He said they would turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. And even Solomon, who was, quote, wiser than all other men, was led away from God in this way. We read in 1 Kings 11, When Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart 
of David, his father. In fact, it's Solomon's unfaithfulness to God in 1 Kings 11 that leads to the fracturing of the kingdom of Israel into two, the northern tribes of Israel and the southern tribe of Judah. Solomon's marriage to those who didn't worship God had history-altering consequences. Your partner can turn your heart towards God or away from God. And when we talk about walking with the wise, think also about walking with wisdom himself. Wisdom is an attribute of God. It's a part of his character. We actually read something similar in our first Bible reading. From 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, it said, It is because of God that you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. Christians have always understood Jesus to be the personification of wisdom. We see that also in Colossians 2, verse 3, where it says that in Christ is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is the embodiment of wisdom. So more than anything else, walking with the wise means walking with Jesus, wisdom himself. If you want to be wise, make that a part of your daily and weekly routine. And the most important routine is worshiping with the church here every Sunday morning. That's the primary way that you grow in your faith. And if that's already a habit of yours, then work to make reading the Bible and prayer a part of your daily routine. Or maybe a new way to walk with the wise is to memorize a passage of Scripture. It's a great way to have God's Word circling in your head throughout the day. You can even start with the passage from this sermon. It's, it's pretty simple. You'll probably have it memorized by the end of the sermon. You might have it memorized already. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. If you want to become wise, walk continually with the wise. And second, walk intentionally with the wise. It's not just about how much time you spend with wise people. It's also about the quality of that time. A couple years ago, Justin Soon, the founder of the cryptocurrency company Tron, paid almost $4.6 million to have lunch with Warren Buffett. Now, granted, it was to, uh, to benefit charity, but Buffett has been doing these auctions for 20 years now. And still, every year, there are people interested in paying a large sum of money to spend a small amount of time with him. It's hard to put a value on purposeful interactions with wise people. I remember when I was in seminary, and sometimes a three-minute conversation with my professor after class could illuminate something that I had been struggling to understand for weeks. Spending the right kind of time with wise people is just as important as spending consistent time with them. What do you do when you have time with wise people? In three minutes with my professor, I could talk to him about the weather, or I could ask him a puzzling question. Now, there's nothing wrong with small talk, but walking with the wise means more than just small talk. I mean, no matter how wise my professor is, if all I do is talk to him about the weather, it's probably not going to do much to help me become wise. One way to walk intentionally with the wise is to seek advice from the right people. That's why political leaders surround themselves with trusted advisors or companies that are managed by a board of directors. They know the importance of surrounding themselves with wise people, especially people with skills and expertise that they themselves don't have. When you're wrestling with a difficult decision about what path to take for your career or how to deal with a difficult relationship, who do you go to for advice? Have you developed relationships with wise people in the church whom you can turn to when you have questions or doubts about your faith? I mentioned before that in 1 Kings 11, Solomon's wives led him away from God and that as a result, God said he would fracture the kingdom of Israel into two. 
That split happens in the next chapter when Solomon's son, Rehoboam, disregards the wisdom of his father's advisors. When Rehoboam became king of Israel, his people asked him to lighten their load. Evidently, Solomon had become a harsh ruler in his old age. And so those who had advised Solomon recommended Rehoboam listen to his people and consider himself their servant. But Rehoboam's friends advised him to exert his dominance and become even harder on his people. And that's what he did. He said to them, My father made your yoke heavy, but I will add to your yoke. And when Israel saw that Rehoboam didn't listen to him, every tribe but the tribe of Judah rebelled against him. That's how the kingdom of Israel was divided. The division of Israel proves Proverbs 13.20. Solomon is led astray by companions who don't worship God, and then his son Rehoboam ignores the wisdom of his father's advisors and instead takes the advice of his foolish companions. The companion of fools will suffer harm. If you want to become wise, you need to develop relationships with wise men and women whom you can go to for advice. Walking intentionally with the wise can also mean inviting a close friend to speak truth into your life and hold you accountable. Proverbs 15.31 says, The ear that listens to life-giving reproof will dwell among the wise. One of the reasons some people pay for an exercise class or for a trainer is because then they're not at it on their own. There are other people who will push them to do one more set or to run just a little bit faster. We need those people in our spiritual life, too. We need people, friends who know us and who can encourage us in our walk with God, especially when we veer off track. Personally, I have friends who hold me accountable, including the other pastors at my church. But the person who knows me the best by far is my wife. It's important that I welcome her rebuke when I'm being impatient or unkind. It's not always easy. It's never easy, really. I have to swallow my pride. But that accountability makes me a better person. And maybe you've been thinking about who your friends are and you think, man, I don't know if they really are cultivating wisdom in my life. Does that mean you should disregard those relationships? Uh, There might be a time when you do need to take a step back from certain relationships, but don't give up on them without first making an effort to change the conversation. And maybe those relationships can bring new life if you initiate spiritual conversations about Sunday sermon or you, you say, hey, why don't we read this book together and discuss it? It could be awkward at first if you're changing the established dynamic, but if it helps you all grow in wisdom, then it's worth it. Don't give up on a relationship until you've first made an effort to change it. Here's another application. If you're a parent, several parents here, if you're a parent, it's your responsibility to foster wisdom in your home. The proverb says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. You're that wise person for your kids. And I know you may not always feel wise. You may not feel equipped. That's okay. What can you do to grow in wisdom? James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. Ask God for wisdom. Ask others for help. And if you're not a parent, but you want to have kids someday, what can you do today to prepare? Proverbs 1, uh, verses 8 through 9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Your kids may not always show you gratitude in the moment, 
But as you train them in wisdom, you're blessing their life. You know, one of the most godly and evangelistic things you can do is raise children to know the Lord. My wife and I, as I mentioned, are pregnant right now with our first kid. The due date is in November. My biggest prayer for him is that he would grow up to know and love the Lord. And as his parents, the amount of influence that we have on his faith is astounding. Listen to these stats. Of people who were raised by two non-religious parents, 36% are Christians today. This is in the United States. But of people who were raised by two Protestant parents, 84% are Christians today. 84 instead of 36. And it gets even better. If their parents talked about religion, quote, a lot, that goes all the way up to 90% who are Christians today. Whether it feels like it or not, you have a tremendous amount of influence in your children's life. The Polgar sisters became some of the best chess players in the world because that's what their parents encouraged. Make it a habit to come to church every Sunday. As your kids grow older, pray with them. Read the Bible with them. Show them what it's like to walk with the wise. And if you do have older kids, it's never too late. You still have a tremendous amount of influence in their life. Pray for them. Seek to have spiritual conversations with them. If you're a husband, you have a special call. More than anyone else, it's your responsibility to lead your wife and, and family in wisdom and love for God. Pray with your wife. Discuss, discuss with her how you want to be generous with your money that month. Talk to her about what God has been teaching you. And most importantly, when we talk about walking intentionally with the wise, we need to think about what it means to walk intentionally with Jesus. It's not just about the amount of time we spend with Jesus, although that's certainly important, but it's also about the quality of that time. What do you need to do to prepare your heart and mind for worship on Sunday morning? What do you need to finish beforehand so that Sunday can be a day of rest and worship? Or what about this one? Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 that before we bring an offering to God, we must first reconcile with anyone that we have wronged. And in Mark 11, Jesus says that when we pray, we must forgive anyone who has wronged us so that our Heavenly Father may forgive us. Are there any relationships that you need to repair in order to worship God freely? Is there a sin that you need to repent of? And think also about during the week when you're praying or, or reading your Bible. What can you do to remove your distractions so that you can focus your heart on God? One of the downsides of, of shared space is that's difficult, but what can you do to prepare to focus your heart? If you want to become wise, walk continually with the wise and walk intentionally with the wise. But why is this so hard? The concept is simple. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. It's easy to understand. Why is it so hard to do? Why do we still make bad decisions and say foolish things? Why is it so difficult to keep a healthy daily and weekly routine? And this is where Christianity is different than secular advice. If you read books like Atomic Habits, you'll learn some helpful principles. And that's great. I read secular books on leadership and productivity all the time. I learn a lot from them. But no matter how much you read or how much you try, you're still going to struggle. If you're 35 years old and you strive to walk with the wise for the rest of your life, you're going to die a lot wiser than you are today. But you're still not going to be some perfect human being. You're still going to make mistakes. You're still going to believe and say foolish things. And even if you endeavored to avoid the companionship of fools, 
we still live in a world where other people's foolishness affects us. I mean, COVID-19 has made it clear how interdependent we are, and not just as a city, not just as a country, but as a whole world. And the unjust killings of George Floyd and those in Atlanta and so many others, it's a tragic reminder of unjust suffering. No matter how hard we try to avoid the companionship of fools, we still suffer harm. Secular books can give us great advice on how to live wisely, but they don't tell us why we can't, through hard work and dedication, just become perfect and avoid suffering harm. Why can't we just apply these simple principles and become completely wise? What is it that always seems to hold us back? Christianity answers this deeper, more foundational question. It says the reason we always struggle is because sin has corrupted our very nature. Our desires are misplaced and short-sighted. Instead of loving the God who offers us every good thing, we seek our own selfish ends. Adam and Eve walk with God in paradise, paradise, with everything they could ever want. But as soon as the serpent offered them the fruit from the one tree God told them not to eat from, they turned their backs on him. Sin has deprived us of our ability to live wisely. God shows us the path to wisdom, but so often we feel pulled in another direction. God came down to us as wisdom incarnate and walked among us. But even the Apostle Peter, who walked with Jesus every day for three years, still denied he even knew him when Jesus was arrested. Instead of walking with the wise, we make ourselves the companion of fools when we go along with the world and betray the God who loves us. And for that, we deserve to suffer harm. We deserve to be forsaken by the God that we forsake. But here's the good news of Christianity. Jesus Christ, wisdom himself, in perfect communion with the Father and the Holy Spirit, willingly became the companion of fools like you and I and suffered the harm that we deserve so that we might walk with him again. He didn't reject us when we rejected him. He went even further to win us back to himself. Behold the man upon a cross, my sin upon his shoulders. Ashamed, I hear my mocking voice call out among the scoffers. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Jesus paid the price for our sin that we might walk with him in newness of life. And in that new life, the spirit of Christ himself dwells within us and reverses the corruption of sin. Our great hope is that one day we will be made perfect. But it won't be to our credit. We'll be made perfect in the day when God conforms us into the image of his son and we walk with him again in paradise. Let's pray. God, we confess that our best efforts fall horribly short of you. You make known to us the path of life, but we instead go our own way, stubborn and foolish. Forgive us for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ. 
And thank you for the hope that you give us that one day we will be made perfect when your spirit conforms us into his image. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.